Welcome to this Sunday morning's message podcast from Kingdom Faith. Today's message is by Pastor Clive Urquhart. This morning, we're going to flow on from what Pastor Colin brought last week, which was a phenomenal message. How many of you were here last week? Uh, it was such a profound message, really simple, but really profound, about how, what, what, it, what is it that we have in terms of the life of God, but how do we then impart that into other people's lives? So this, this 21 days that we're going through is 21 days of victory. How many of you are getting some victory in your life? Amen? Two, three, four, five, any more than that, getting some victories. Uh, well, keep going, keep going, keep plugging in because, uh, you know, there's more to come. Not just in these 21 days, but what's going to happen afterwards. Does anybody believe that? Yes. Everything in the Christian life is by faith. It's not by sight. So when God does something, our response is to grab it and say, Father, I'm going to grab that. I'm going to step towards it. I'm going to jump into it. And as I do, I thank you that then I see the release of it in my life and then through my life. Amen. So uh, just keep going. If you haven't had a, a particular breakthrough yet, just stick in there because your breakthrough's on its way. Your breakthrough's on its way. Just nudge the person next to you and say, make sure you're awake for the next 45 minutes. If you're not, I'll keep nudging you. So we're getting personal victories, and if we're having personal victories, we're going to have corporate victories, okay? And last week's message about impartation, that is connected to us seeing victories in and through our lives into other people's lives. If we, we understand what we have, and then not just what we're giving, but then how we can give that, then we're going to see breakthroughs happen in other people's lives as well. And this week, what we're going to look at is, we're going to look at how do you lead somebody to Christ? How do you literally, step by step, lead somebody to Christ? Why? Because we want to see God's salvation imparted through our lives. Oh, my word. Right. (laughs) How many of you want to see the people, how many of you got one of these going on? Every day, the win, the one. How many of you got that going on? How many of you are praying into that? Okay, we want to every day. What are we doing? We're speaking life. We're speaking life. We're speaking God's word. We're speaking what God wants to do over their lives. Somebody said the other day, it's like an arrow that goes out to hit the target every day. It's like a little hand grenade that we pray out that then explodes in somebody's life. You know, as we are praying. So I want you just to, but this is something that stays. In your Bible, in that sense, that you're, when you get up in the morning, you're spending time with the Lord. It's like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Maybe you can leave it in the, one of the scriptures that we read in the daily things and remind yourself, right, this is my five, ten minutes where I'm going to pray for these people. Speak the word, declare the word and pray for them. OK, so we're doing that every day Win the one. But then also, if you look on your seat next to you, you've got one of these little, um, I don't know what you'd call it. They're not flyers and they're not tracks, but it's a little resource. OK that we're going to go through this morning, okay? Now, this kind of thing is not to stay in your Bible, okay? The win, the one, stays in there because you're praying. But this one that we're going to go through this morning is something that you can practically use, okay, in sharing your faith and talking to somebody about the Lord. But you can also use exactly the same thing when you actually lead somebody to the Lord, okay? It's going to be pretty self-explanatory as we go through this morning, Uh, Because God wants to impart his salvation through our lives. Okay, so as we're praying for our friends and family, those faith is rising up. You you can't not pray for something and faith not rise up in you. Because when we pray, we want to pray the word. When we pray the word, what happens? Faith starts to rise in us because we're declaring God's word. We're declaring what he wants and, and we're not speaking things out like, well, it's never going to happen. And oh, well, I'll keep going, but it's not really going to. Why? Because we're not speaking that kind of thing when we pray. We are declaring what God wants to do, right? So it releases faith uh, in our lives to see the breakthrough. So this year is about harvest. It's about breakthrough. It's about breaking out. 
So God wants to break out in our lives and one way is with salvation. Now, God, this morning, as we go through these verses, at the end, what we're going to do, we're going to take authority over doubt. We're going to take authority over any unbelief. We're going to take authority over any experience you've had before where you might say, well, it didn't really work, or I've done all that, but it hasn't worked. We're going to draw a line this morning and say, enough's enough. That's the past. I don't live in the past any longer. I live in the present. I live in the now of what God is doing. So if God calls me a person of salvation, a fruitful vine, then I can see the friends and family and those around me come to know Christ this year. It's, the, it's a year of salvation. Today, actually, is the day of salvation, according to uh, 2 Corinthians 6. Today is the day of salvation. Therefore, today is one of those days. This week, then, can be a year of sal- a week of salvation. Just even say yes and amen, even if you, you don't agree with it. And then convince yourself, actually, that is what the Word of God says. So, uh, now, a couple of scriptures before we get into this, okay? How we practically lead somebody to Christ. Philemon, verse 6, there's only one chapter in Philemon, and the sixth verse says this, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. I'll just read that again. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. This is Paul writing to Philemon. Why? So that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. You know, one of the ways that we understand what God has done for us is when we speak it out. One of the ways that it says here that we have a fuller understanding of every good thing is that we share that with other people. Uh, I don't know what it's like for you in your life at different moments. I know sometimes when I'm on my own and I'm thinking about some stuff, writing a few thoughts and a few notes, um, you know, I, I write certain things, a few notes and thoughts and everything. But then, you know, when somebody comes into my office and we might have a conversation about it, suddenly... A whole lot of stuff seems to spark in our conversation. And, and, and a flow of thought sometimes happens with me where, where a lot of things click into place when we're speaking and a, and a load of stuff comes out. And I, and I think, wow, why didn't I think like that when I was on my own? Just in my own little world. But yet when somebody is in the room with me and you start saying, a whole lot of stuff comes out. And I think that's the same with our faith. I think sometimes we don't really know fully what we really do know until we start sharing it with somebody else. And then you suddenly realise, wow, uh, there's more going on in me than I thought. And, and when you do that, how many of you know that the Holy Spirit can help get a hold of you and actually remind you of stuff, give you things to say, bring thoughts to mind, and you suddenly think, wow, I wouldn't have thought of that unless I'd been speaking to that person. So what is that? It's called a step of faith. How many of you know that the, uh, the Israelites, to go into the promised land, they had to believe what God said? When the, 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 the spies came back, uh, and ten of them said, no, we can't do it, and two of them said they did. They didn't end up going in until a whole generation later. But the two that really believed, they said, no, we can go up and do it because God has said. Now, because they didn't go up, they didn't see anything released at that moment, they ended up going the other way. It took a whole 40 years before they stepped into what God wanted to do. New Testament, Paul and uh, John, uh, Peter and John, Acts chapter 3, going up to pray at the temple. What did they do? On the way, somebody, a cripple, outside the temple gates, shouted out to them, you know, uh, uh, to be healed and called them. And Peter and John went over to him. And what did Peter say? He said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. Get up and walk. Now, they were on their way to a prayer meeting. They weren't necessarily on their way to heal him. But the guy called out at that moment and they had a choice. Either we respond to him and say, hey, uh, yes, we'll try and find a bit of money and then walk on. Or their other response was, well, or to not go near him at all. Or the third one was to do what they did. 
Now, unless they'd said, silver or gold I haven't got, but what I do have I give you, they would never have seen the power of God released in that moment. And sometimes what we do is we pray or we want the power of God to be released before we do anything. So we say, God, I want your power to be released. When, we, when I see it, yeah, great. But actually God's saying, no, take a step and then you'll see the power released. That's what Pastor Connor was talking about last week. When we are praying for people to, to, to see impartation, then we, we actually have to take a step towards the situation, lay hands on somebody for there to be a release of God's power in the situation. Same with the gospel, with sharing our faith and sharing who Jesus is. Unless we take a step towards it, we won't see salvation taking place. So we don't want to stay in any kind of place of good intentions. We want to step into the the faith of what God is doing and the obedience or the action that then comes from that faith. So I believe God wants to inspire faith this morning so so that we don't go by our track record, our past record, our experience, what did work or didn't work, or the doubt or the unbelief or the fear that the enemy would want to put on us to hold us back. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but we've had all sorts of things kicking off in our household over the last few weeks. Uh, Back issues and problems here and situations there. And I know other people have had other things in the life of the church. You know, I'm not blaming it all on the enemy, but um, the enemy does not want us to go forward. God wants to unlock and release what is in us this year. It's a year of release. But yet the enemy wants to lock us up and restrict us and hold us back. So God wants to unlock his salvation through our lives. Another scripture for you, Proverbs 11.30, before we get on to this. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. How many of you are righteous here today? If you're a believer, you're righteous. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is, is wise. So God wants us to be soul winners, and uh, we're going to pray at the end, and he's going to impart fresh anointing for us to be Soul winners. Okay, so do you want to grab your little leaflet? The, the scriptures will come up on the screen uh, as well. But it's going to be really, really practical. I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up, okay? But how many of you have, have never led anybody to Jesus? You don't just have to put your hands up, but there's probably a lot of us in the room that have never sat down and led somebody to the Lord. What's really important? Why are we going to go through this today? Why are there so many scriptures? Why, why are we going to do this in depth? Because the, what happens at the beginning of somebody's Christian life will determine the kind of disciple they become. If I put it this way, the depth of repentance determines the quality of the disciple. The depth of what happens at the beginning will determine the kind of walk that somebody has with God, okay? So it's really important that when somebody is born again, they're not just, they're not born naturally again, they're born of the Spirit, they come alive spiritually. When they're born again spiritually, what takes place is really important and, and, it's, and, and it's not just a quick one line prayer. Well, if you just pray after me, that's all your trouble sorted and you, you, you go for it. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, forgive me, forgive me. Please come into my life, please come into my life. Now, you're born again now, brilliant. Well, well, I don't know about you, but there's lots of people who pray that prayer like that that have loads of issues and struggles and problems. But when we come and actually go through what the Word says about how to surrender, because that's what it really means. When you become a Christian, to give your life to Jesus means you're surrendering everything. You're not just giving yourself, say, well, I'll just, there you go, Lord. You know, We're surrendering, and ultimately what we're saying is from this moment, my life is not my own anymore. I am giving my life to Jesus. And it's important that we explain that and communicate that to those that we're sharing our faith with, okay? That Jesus is not a quick fix for all their problems. Because otherwise we put into people that God is a slot machine. So I'll give my life to Jesus and then when I want something, I'll pull the slot and hopefully it will come out. And, and also, we don't just want to propagate a, a gospel that is, well, you've got loads of problems. If you come to Jesus, he'll sort them all out and then you'll be all right. Because again, then God is just a problem solver. And not Lord of heaven and earth, the creator of mankind and that, that, the one that we want to surrender and give our lives to. So really important what, how we communicate. So this little thing here, okay, 
Uh, it does say on the front what the Bible says about salvation. There is a bit more in the Bible than just a few scriptures. Um, but here's, here's, the, here's the sort of the get-go at the beginning, just to help lead somebody to the Lord. Now, we've put all these on this little leaflet, okay? But when it actually comes to praying with somebody and you sit down with them, you spend time with them and, and help lead them to the Lord, what I want to encourage you to do is actually use your Bible, okay? This is for you to take away so you've got it and you can learn it. You can learn all these things and, and, and understand why one scripture flows on to the next one. But when you sit down with somebody and pray with them, get the word out. Use the Bible. Now, why is that important? This book is no longer seen by most people in our country, in our culture, as, as uh, the, the sort of backbone of society. People say, well, that's just the Christian's book. What about another religion's book? Why is the Bible different than that? Why should I listen to the Bible? All that kind of stuff. We, we, we want to use the word because this is God's word and the Holy Spirit works with God's word. And you'll understand why we're going to not just go through the verses and what they mean, but why do we want to do in the way we're going to lead people to the Lord? Because we don't just want to tell people loads of stuff. Sometimes when we share our faith, we say loads of things, we've lost people. And what this does, step by step, is go through one verse and the way we're going to... And then we give opportunity for people to ask questions, have a short conversation. Then you move on to the next one. Then you move on to the next one. So that people understand what God has done for them, what their response needs to be to God, and what's going to happen if they surrender their lives to the Lord and when they surrender their lives to the Lord. And so we want to take it step by step. If this is the most important decision, I know giving your life to the Lord is more than a decision, but you've still got to make a decision to say, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus. If this is the most important decision somebody is ever going to make, surrendering their life to Jesus, then it is worth taking a bit of time with somebody to then lead them to the Lord with a depth that means they, 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 are, they know they're forgiven, they know they're free, they know that God has done something in their life and they really are turning away from the life they have lived and really surrendering their life to, to the Lord. If somebody doesn't want to spend half an hour, an hour, surrendering their life to the Lord and going through, they're not ready to give their lives to the Lord. If we just give people a cheap gospel of, well, it only take two minutes of your time, that's all right. You know, let's just pray for a minute. You say this, you say that. If somebody says, oh, I haven't got time or, you know, then they're not ready. None of us would rush into a shop and just grab something and go and buy it. You wouldn't go and buy a house, which is a major decision you make, you know. You're not going to run in the house. Yeah, I'll have that one. You know, you take time. Uh, you know, can I afford it? What's it going to mean? Is it going to work? This, that and the other. Same, you know, so we, we, we don't want to give people a cheap gospel just to get them into the kingdom. And then we say, oh, they gave their life to Jesus. And actually, they don't really understand what on earth they're doing. So we, we, and we, we need to trust that the Holy Spirit is working in people. That it's not how many words we say, but it's what the Holy Spirit is doing in the person's life. Okay? So if somebody's kind of, you know, they seem to be getting to the point where they want to respond or they might give their life to Jesus, again, we don't want to rush what God is doing because we think if we don't do it now, then they're going to get lost and they'll never give their life to Jesus. Let's trust the Holy Spirit that he is doing what he does. Okay? So if you want to just grab your, your, your sheet, we're going to start. The first three scriptures are things really about who Jesus is and what he says. Okay? Then the other seven that we're going to look at are obviously what God has done but it's then linked with the people's response to what they need to do in order to firstly be forgiven, to, to repent of their sin and be forgiven, but then also to then receive the life of God and what that then means uh, afterwards. So a lot of the things I've already said to you now, you don't have to remember any of that lot in the sense of, of how you're going to use this, okay? So you don't think, crumbs, Clive, I can't remember everything you've said for the last 10 minutes and bring all that into a conversation. You don't, you don't need to. Okay, what is going to be important is how you use the word of God and then lead somebody to Christ. Okay, now some of you might think, yeah, but I've I've it's one thing them getting to the point where they want to give their life to Jesus, but um, how do I help them get there? Now, you can use this to help them get there. 
not just when somebody's ready, saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. What do I do now? Or you ask them, are you ready now? Or whatever. You can actually use this because if we are in relationship with people, friends and family and those we're reaching out to, we're obviously having conversations with them about the law. We're saying what God's done in our life. They're asking us questions. Uh, there's a dialogue going on. There's something going on. People aren't just going to jump from, you know, I've got a friend I'm going to start praying for and hopefully the first conversation I have, they look at me and go, great, I'm ready. What do I do now? Now, for all we know, there might, somebody might be like that because somebody else has given them the gospel or whatever. But there's going to be dialogue, communication and everything. But you can also use this, and you'll understand how, in the context I'm talking about now, as a bit of a bridge from somebody not knowing the Lord to then ready to when they say, I want to know Jesus, I want to know God, I want to give my life to him. And, and, <clears throat> and just talking with them and going through saying, hey, can I just show you some things that are in the Bible that will show you who Jesus is, what he's done for you, and how you can actually receive the life that he wants to give you. And, and you can use that as a conversation before somebody in your mind is ready to give their life to the Lord. Do you understand? So when, when you might be chatting and say, hey, can I just show you some stuff? Now, they might turn around and say, no, I'm not really interested. Well, that's okay, because you know they're not ready yet then. So don't be put off by that. Just think, okay, there's a bit more to do then in terms of praying for them and just talking and sharing. But you never know, your friend, family member, work colleague, whoever, might turn around and say, yeah, okay, yeah, I'd like to know. You know explain a bit more to me then. And sometimes it's better to use the word to explain things than us just saying a lot that they can't remember. Okay? So here we go. First scripture, John 10.10. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life in all its fullness. Now, what we want to do is we want to, if if you're at work or something, you want to get your Bible out, you might just show them through this. But when somebody gives their life to the Lord, we're going to sit down with somebody and you need to say, look, have you got an hour or so? where we can just sit down, go through some scriptures and, and then we can pray together or whatever when they're ready to give their life to the Lord. But you want to use the word. So turn to John 10.10 10, and they're not going to know where that is. Uh, but you can turn to that and as you're sitting next to them or whatever, then say, do you want to read that verse 10 out? What does it say there? Show them where it is and get them to read it. Why do we want them to read it? Where does faith come from? Hearing the word, okay? So if we're getting them to read the word and not us just do it all and they're just sitting there listening to us kind of bombard them with a load of stuff, uh, what we want to do is, is read that verse and what, what do you think that means? Ask them a question. What do you think that means? Because the Holy Spirit's going to work with the word. The Holy Spirit can bring revelation as they're reading the word. So you might say to them, okay, Jesus says here, or they read it, I've come to give you life and life in all its fullness. Do you, do you, have you got any idea what you think what that means? Now, quite often people will say, well, probably not, no. Um, and, or they might, whatever they say. But basically, all you're going to say to that is Jesus is saying he wants to give you himself. He wants to give you himself. He wants to give you who he is. Most people don't understand God as a giver, do they? God wants to give you something. Ultimately, God wants to give you his kingdom. Somebody might not fully understand what does that mean, giving the kingdom, but he want, basically Jesus wants to give you himself. He wants to give you his life, okay? And then that begins to write. He wants to give me something, all right? Let's look at another verse then. Then you turn to John 14, verse 6. Again, give your Bible to them, show them and say, do you want to read that verse? Then the, the person reads out, okay, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, do you, do, have you got any idea what, what that means? What does that kind of say to you? Again, they might say, well, he's the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father. Now, depending on who they are, you might get a different response. Some people, I know when uh, Jay and I ran an alpha in uh, the house we lived in before we lived where we are now, we ran an alpha in our cul-de-sac and we had about 12 or 13 people from the close. And uh, in the alpha week, when that verse, when that was said that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, man, what a reaction it got in the conversation afterwards. Uh, You know, because these days, lots of people say, well, there's loads of different ways to God and 
if Christians say the only way to God is through Jesus, well, that's a bit this, that and the other and that's unfair and this and that. So you could find some, some stuff like that. But on one level you're saying, I'm not here to argue. I'm just showing this is what Jesus said. This is who he is. This is what he said, that he is the way to the Father. So what does that say to you though? And you need to obviously just let them share. They might say, I've, I've got no idea. And again, it's just simple. He's saying, if you want to know God, he is the way to know God. So it'll explain a bit more then. Let's have a look at another verse. Acts 4, verse 12. What does that say then? Again, show them, give them your Bible, let them read it. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So I think that's quite clear, the first one. Salvation is found in no one else. So that's kind of obviously what it's saying. And the person then, you know, ask them a question. So what does that mean? Well, obviously, it's now making a bit of sense. Jesus said, I'm coming to give you life. The only way to that life is through him to know God. And he is the only one. He is salvation. He's the only way you're going to receive that life. There's nobody else anywhere under heaven that can give you that salvation. So it's quite simple. We're not trying to convince anybody. We're just showing them what the Bible says and the Holy Spirit can do the speaking. The Holy Spirit can do the work in people's lives. Are you with me? Okay. So then what we want to do is then go on, well, how can you receive that life? How do you receive the life that God wants to to give you? And you can ask them, do you you want to know a bit more? Yeah, great. If somebody's ready to give their life to the Lord, you can go through this lot and, and they're ready. But if you're in a conversation where you're, you're talking with a friend about what you believe and who Jesus is, what he's done and what it will mean to give the light, you can say, would well, you want to know a bit more? Do you want to go, yeah, okay, tell me a bit more. Now, this is where most people start when they share the gospel. They, they start with sin. They always start with the problem. Rather than giving people a context of, you know, um, of who God is and what he wants to do, first of all, and then you say why we need to know the Lord, Okay. But often we just jump in straight away and we say, oh, you're a sinner, you need to give your life, you've got sin in your life, you need to this, that and the other. And, and that's why I think a lot of people out there who have some understanding of what Christians say when they talk about Jesus or the gospel or whatever, is it, it, it seems to start with a negative. You know, in terms of, you, well, you're a sinner. Or people say to Christians, well, you, you know, you're a bit bigoted, you always say you're right and I'm wrong and all that. Why? Because so often the starting point is you're wrong and you've got a problem and you need God. Now, we all had problems before we gave our life to the Lord. But it's amazing how God doesn't always start with the actual problem. He talks about who he is. And in the light of who he is, you then realise why there's a problem. And actually, as a result of who God is, then actually there is something I need to look at then that's stopping me from receiving what God wants to, to give, okay? So um, some of this is explaining to, to you guys, not necessarily what you're going to necessarily say to them. But here's the next verse, Romans 23. So you, again, show your Bible to the person and, you know, do you want to read it? And they're going to read, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So what do you think that means? And again, they're going to read, well, it says all have sinned. All have sinned and they fall short of the glory of God. Now, they might understand where it says here that everybody has sinned. And everybody falls short of God, but all fall short of the glory of God. What, what, you know, what does that mean? They fall short of the glory of God. Now, you're not going to go into a 20-minute sermon about the glory of God, necessarily, okay? But what you are going to say is something, or you can say is, look, everybody has sinned. We all fall short, not just of God's standard, but, but what does God's glory mean? It means that God is holy, God is perfect. He's without sin. And we all fall short of who God is. We can't reach him. We can't get to him in our own, our own effort. It's impossible. So it says, all have sinned. Every person. And you can even say to them, I, I've sinned. We've all fallen short of God. And, and we'll draw something later just to uh, kind of picture all this. And fall short of the glory of God, right? So you've established that. We've all sinned. So there's a problem with every person. Then, well, let's have a look at the next verse and, and, and what happens as a result. Romans six twenty three. Then you get them to read it. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Okay, so what do you think that means? And they go, the wages of sin. Uh, 
don't know, what does that mean? It means, well, the penalty, the result of sin leads to spiritual death. It means you're separated from God because of sin. But then, look at this though in the verse. What do you think the next bit means? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. They might say, uh, the gift of God is eternal life. Some people might understand more than others. That's, you just work with somebody. Okay? This is why you can't just have a pat answer. Just, just give me the pat answers to help me. You're going to have to be a little bit flexible and go with it in terms of what's going on. But then you're saying, God wants to give you a gift. And we, we established that in the first verse where Jesus said, I've come to give you life. Fullness of life. So now we're seeing here, even though you, you're spiritually separated from God because of sin, God wants to give you the gift of eternal life that is in Jesus, which we've already heard. Okay, so that's pretty good. God wants to give you something. So we've all sinned, and so you want to do little recaps every now and then. Just remind us. So it says, we found we've all sinned, and we can't reach God. Because of that, we're spiritually dead. But God wants to do something about it. He doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to give you the gift of eternal life, okay, his life. So what does that mean? What does that look like? Well, let's go to another verse then. You go to 2 Corinthians 5.21. Okay, let's have a look. How did God deal with sin then? And get him to read it. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, so have you got any idea what that means? You just ask him, get into dialogue, ask questions, okay? Because you want to make sure somebody understands what's going on. I think sometimes because we understand what God has done for us and we can say quite a lot, but somebody's trying to, trying to uh, deal with what they're hearing and understand everything they're hearing. So if we're taking our time, the Holy Spirit, again, can speak into people's lives. So what do you think that verse means? God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might, I've, I've got no idea what that means. You probably find a lot of people, that one, God made Jesus who had no sin to be sin. What, what's that all about? And that's, when, that's where the cross comes in. Sim, just to explain simply, because of sin, God wanted to do something so that we're no longer separated from him. We can have relationship with him. But in order for that to happen... somebody had to pay the penalty for sin because we've already heard the penalty of sin is death. So somebody had to pay the price and only somebody who was not guilty could take all of sin upon themselves so that we then could be made not guilty. And sometimes I use this analogy with people, it's like a bank robber. If if I'd robbed a bank and I had a million quid... um, or you'd robbed a bank, you had a million quid in your bag or whatever, and, and you came and found me and said, the police are after me, they're going to get me, I've got a million pounds and everything. And if I said to you, okay, look, you give me the bag, I'll, I'll take the money, and I'll say, I'll did it instead of you, then you can go free, and I'll pay the penalty of what you did, and I'll do it on your behalf. Because that's basically what Jesus did on the cross. And you might say, yeah, but that's unfair, that's ridiculous. I'm the one who did the crime. I'm the one who stole the money. I'm the one who should be locked up. He said, yeah, yeah, I know, but what I'll do, I'll do it on your behalf so that you can go free. And that's exactly what we're saying Jesus did here. So you can give that analogy kind of to people as an example. So he wants to do something for us so that we can go free, be forgiven. And then it says, so we become the righteousness of God, And to just simply explain that, it just means we now be, be, be get right with God, okay, in right relationship with him. So if Jesus did that then for us, what does that mean next then? What's next? Okay, let's have a look. 1 John 1 verse 9. Let's have a read of that. And again, you ask him to read it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Okay, so... The person there, so if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. So you might have a bit of a conversation. Do they know what that means? Ask them that. 
uh, well, if I confess, does that, what does that mean? Did that mean I have to speak them out then or, or what? And it's like, yeah. Because what we're going to do, in order to be forgiven, we need to ask for forgiveness. And what we do is we don't just say, God, forgive me for all my sins. Well, we're, what we're going to do when we pray together, you might not say this initially if you're just using this to share your faith with somebody because they might not be ready yet. But certainly the person who's ready to give their life to the Lord, you're going to say, right, at the end of all this, when we pray, what are you going to do? The first, you're going to write everything down that you need to be forgiven for. Everything. Just write it all out, everything. And as you write it, God will, will remind you of things if you've forgotten stuff, but you're going to write things down. You're going to write a list. And then what we're going to do, we're going to pray, and one after the other, what you're going to do is you're going to speak that out. And you say, uh, you can say, God, I need you to forgive me for this, and then say what you've done. Say what you've done. Say what you've done. What are you doing? You're getting every sin out from in here, out into the light. You're out in the open. And then at the end, and each time you say, God, I need you to forgive me for doing this. I need to, every, at the end of each one, say, now I thank you that I'm forgiven from that sin. At the same, on that list as well, what we're going to do is you're going to write down the names of the people you need to forgive. In order to be forgiven, we need to forgive. And now that might not be easy, but it's important that when you surrender your life, you're not holding on to offence or hurt or this or that or the other towards others. We want to surrender and submit all of that as well. And so we're going to write uh, names down of people that you need to forgive. And God will amazingly help you in terms of forgiving those people when we come to, to pray. Are you still with me out there? Yeah. Is this helpful? Yeah. Okay. So, we're, so what you're going to do, you're going to confess your sins, but the, the, it says here God is faithful He'll forgive you and he's just. What does that mean? Because it says he's going to purify you from all that is not right, that is not of him. Now he's just and that means he deals with things in the right way, in God's way. So he's not only going to forgive you, he's also going to clean you up on the inside so there's nothing that is unrighteous or unclean in you because he's going to purify you. So this is what God's going to do. You're going to be like a different person, you know. Uh, okay, great. And next one. Let's have a look. So what happens next then? So you're going to confess your sin to ask him to be forgiven. Uh, but then what happens next in order to receive his life? Let's have a look at Romans 10.9. Have a read of that. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So somebody, what do you think that means? Well, I'm going to confess something again and speak something out then. I'm going to say that Jesus is Lord. Why is that important? Because up to that point... The person has been Lord of their own life. So it's important that we understand that they need to declare Jesus your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. Okay, so you have a conversation. What do you think that means? Well, I'm going to, have, I'm going to say Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that, he was, that God raised him from the dead. And it's important that, you know, as well as confessing the sin, when they come to pray, it's like, because people are like, well, what do I say? It's like you're literally simply, you're just saying, Jesus, I give you myself now. I surrender who I am, everything. And I give absolutely everything to you right now. And now I ask you that you would give me all of who you are. And just let them sit there for a few moments. Just let them, you know, with their eyes closed. And God will be, there'll be stuff already going on because God will be forgiving, cleansing, cleaning. They already know something's happening on the inside of them. And then when they're saying, Jesus, I give you, surrender absolutely everything. And when they've done that, then say, now now just say, Jesus, I thank you that you're now my Lord and I'm not any longer. It's important, you know what I mean, just for them to encourage them to say that uh, because of what God is doing in their life at that moment. Then the next verse, okay, so what else does the Bible say then once you've done that, once you've repented of your sin, you've asked him into your life, what else does the Bible say? Well, John 5, 24, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, you're going to get this to read it again, has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. So you're explaining to somebody, when you do all of this, what's going to happen is over here, you're, on this side, you're still spiritually dead, or you can, can, we, can you grab the board up for us? Is that right? We'll just quickly draw something to help people. might be something you've seen before, but it might help you just to um, kind of help explain again. Or you can draw on a piece of paper with somebody 
when, you, when you're talking with them, okay, uh, uh, and whatnot. So you're saying, whoever hears my word, so you're hearing the word now, and believes him, you're believing that, that what he's done, has eternal life and will not be condemned any longer. What does that mean, not condemned? It means you're not going to stay separated from God, not just in this life, but eternally. You're now going to come into a new life with God, an eternal life. And the Bible says that you've crossed over from spiritual death to spiritual life. So if we can just draw it like this, if you've got, this is the side that you might be living on. So there's, there's the person you're talking to, okay? That's their life now, before they've given their life to Jesus. And the, the verses we've been talking about is, um, I don't know, how, how can we picture God? Let's just put God. Let's just write God, okay? Okay, this is God. So what does God say? I've come to give you life. I am, and then he's talking about Jesus being the only way. So how did Jesus become the only way? By going to the cross. So when we've, we've already established, we, we all fall short of God. So we can only get so far. We can't reach God. And that's why he then says he's come to be the bridge or the gap between what, who God wants us to be and where we are at this moment, okay? So, that, so this verse is saying you're going to cross over from death to life. You're going to move from being unforgiven to forgiven. Unforgiven to forgiven, okay? And some of the things that, that you can explain to people, but you're just saying he is the one that enables you to, to, to know God. All right, so you're crossing over from death to life. So here, there's you're condemned. Here, there is no condemnation. Are you with me? Okay, and then, so you, you're explaining that one to them. Then there's another verse that's not on your sheet, okay, that was totally my fault and missed it out. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Does anybody know what that says? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation or a new person. The old has gone, the new has come. Okay, so here you're living as an old person, not necessarily age, right? But you're now a new person, a new creation. So you're not just the same, but with God in your life, you now become a completely new person because the, the, the sin that is separated from God is now gone. Okay, and, and you're now a new person, okay, a new creation. And then the final one, John 1, 12. So as God does all this when you give your life to him, this is what then happens. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he has now be given the right to become children of God. Okay, so you're now a child of God over here. Okay, so is this helpful? Simple enough, right? It's just one scripture leads on to the next. You can use it in sharing your faith to help somebody understand, well, what does it mean to give your life to Jesus? What does it mean to know God? How do you do that? Can I just show you? And then at the end of that, if that's been the context you've been in, you can then say to somebody, do you, do you wanna, is that something you want to do now? Would you like to give your life to Jesus? Some people might say, yeah. Some might say, can I have a think about that? I need to, and, and then you can say, well, do you want to take that with you? And then you can use that and, and have a read of it. And then if you want to meet tomorrow in the next couple of days, I'd love to. And we can pray together and, and whatever. And one guy that I, I saw a while ago, um, he had some stuff going on. And he um, said, could you come? I want to come and talk to you. So I went round there. He said what had been going on in his life. And I just literally went through a load of these things. Okay. And at the end, I, I said, do you want to give your life to Jesus? And he said... I know that's what I need to do, but I just need 24 hours in one second to get my head around it, what I'm really doing. And I said, great. And I said, um, I said, is there anything at the moment going on in you about your response? What's, and he said, yeah, he said, all I can hear is this one word in my head, surrender, 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 surrender. I'm like, great. I said, do you know what that means? And he goes, no, what does it mean? Even though we talked about surrendering, Okay, for me, I could have sat there and gone, well, it's obvious what he's saying, can't he, you know, but he was like, no, it's just surrender, surrender. 
And I said, well, remember what we talked about, to give your life to Jesus means to surrender absolutely everything. That's obviously God's talking to you, saying, I want you to surrender everything. He goes, right, right, wow. So don't, don't just take something for granted, okay, when you're talking with people. And then, then the next day, he phoned me and he said, hey, I'm ready, can you come around and pray with me? So then the next day after that, I went around the following evening. We spent an hour and a half, an hour and a half, going through these scriptures, even though I'd gone through them, with him, we went through them again, okay, then did the letter, wrote the letter out, he prayed through all of the things in the letter, the people that uh, he needed to forgive, he prayed through those, one or two were a bit difficult because of stuff that happened in his life, and I said, it's okay, there's time, we're not in a rush here, it's the most, the most biggest thing you're ever going to do in your life is to give your life to Jesus, and so it's fine. And, uh, and then the next thing that I did, which we haven't got time for today, we're going to do on another Sunday, is went through a load, after he'd given his life to the Lord and everything, we went outside, took the piece of paper and we lit it and burnt it. So it was all burnt up and then there was nothing left of it. Why? Because that's what God does with our sin. And I explained when we went through, you know, when you write where you sin out and you repent, we're then going to go out afterwards and burn it outside. Don't do it in the house. Um, you know, <laughs> do it outside. And... Uh, because what does fire do? It, it burns things to nothing. So there'll be nothing. God will never, ever. He's forgotten all of it when you, when you, you know, it's like, wow, really? You know, uh, and all of that. So, um, and then what I do it, when somebody's given their life to it is then just see them baptised in the Holy Spirit. So then go through about 10 or 12 scriptures. Who's the Holy Spirit? What does he do in our lives? What happens when he comes into our life? Because what I say to people is now you need to be empowered to live the life that you've just received. You get that? So there'll be another Sunday we go through those uh, scriptures so you'll have the two to kind of use and work with uh, in people's lives in situations, okay? Then on the back, next steps, they're as much for you as anybody else. When somebody's given their life to the Lord, you're going to talk to them about getting connected into the life of the body, the church, get connected into a small group which might be like a Raising Champions, a New Believers one, um, Obviously, once you pray with them, next thing, you, want it, you need to get baptised in water. Now, baptism in water is not an option. It's not a, if you'd like to, do it. It's part of giving your life, it's part of surrendering, it's part of being born again. What, what happened on the day of Pentecost, when they cried out, after Peter was preaching and everything, or while he was preaching, they cried out, what must we do then to, to be saved? And he said, you need to repent and be baptised, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. So there's four things that we need to understand in order for somebody to really be born again and surrender their life. They need to repent of their sin. They need to believe that Jesus is Lord and confess that with their mouth, as we've looked at. They need to be baptised in water and baptised in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in water is not an option. It's part of how we speak to people. This is part of surrendering your life because of what baptism represents in terms of the old, going down in the grave and being buried with Christ and, and, and then we raise up a new creation, new person in Christ. Really, really important. When I got baptised when I was younger, I mean, I, I'd known the Lord for a while, I was filled with the Spirit, but after I got baptised, the gifts of the Spirit just got released. In my, I already spoke in tongues, but that following year after I was baptised, all the gifts of the Spirit started working through my life. Started seeing people getting healed, words of knowledge started having prophetic words were released and all of that. And I'm not saying that's, that has to, it'll only happen like that, but that's what happened in my life when I was already filled with the Spirit, grew up in all the sort of stuff that I grew up in, but yet there was a, there was a release when I got baptised in water and came up the other side. And also, again, it's another great opportunity to see people baptised. We pray for it to be baptised in the Spirit afresh and then go and tell others about what Jesus done in your life. So let's stand to our feet, shall we? Everybody got all of that? <laughs> uh, no, it's fine. Um, now, I encourage you, go away, read this stuff and learn it. Learn some of it, okay, in terms of the scriptures and all of that. But even if you don't learn it, you can still use it, have it in your, your wallet or your purse or your bag or in your pocket, have it with you and all that kind of stuff. But what we're going to do now, we're going to take a few minutes. We're just going to take authority over everything going on in your head, my head right now that says, Clive, that's great, but you don't know my friends. That's great, but you don't know my family. That's brilliant, but I've, I, I've never led anybody to the Lord, so what's going to be different now? Or 
uh, Clive, you know, this, that and the other, or whatever it might be. Now, we need to make a decision this morning. Are we going to listen to the past, to our experience? Are we going to listen to the enemy or fears or whatever? Or are we going to say, Father, I choose to trust you. You're speaking about impartation. You're speaking about release. You're speaking about victory. And Father, I want to step into that. Thank you that I am not barren in my spiritual life in regards to seeing people coming to know you. I thank you that you're speaking over me. I'm a fruitful vine. Amen. So wherever you are now, just close your eyes for a moment. You know what's going off on the inside of you. And we all need to pray, verbalise it, not just think in our heads. We need to verbalise this right now. If you know fear is stopping you, what will people think? How will it go? Will I get it right or not or whatever? We all learn by doing stuff. But we've got to take a step. And in that step, the Holy Spirit will then grab hold of us and help us. But unless we take a step, the Holy Spirit is waiting. He'd be leading, but he can't lead us if we're not prepared to make a step. So just wherever you are, if you know there's fear that holds you back, Take authority over that. If you know there's doubt, well, I don't know if anything's going to happen. Take authority over that doubt. If there's unbelief, well, nothing's going to happen if I do it. You know, then take authority over that unbelief, okay? If you know there's any apathy going on in you where you're like, oh, I don't know, I, don't know, I haven't really been bothered, you know, say, right, I'm not going to live under that apathy any longer that tries to push me down and hold me back. So any of those things, come on, let's just raise our voices right now. Take authority over any hindrance that might want to hold us back. Father, if we take authority over every fear right now that says you can't, what will people think? It's not going to work. We bind every fear right now and we render that thing powerless over our lives. We just take authority over doubt now uh, that says, I don't know if anything's going to happen. We just, we just draw a line in our lives and step over from doubt right now to believe that Jesus, what you've put on the inside of me can take, can, can release your life in me to other People, So I take authority over doubt, over unbelief, where there's unbelief. Take authority over it right now. I'm not going to live under unbelief. Father, I thank you for the faith that's being released this morning through your word that like Joshua and Caleb, I can go up. We can go up and do it. We can take the land. We can see people give their lives to you. Not in our own effort, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you. We praise your name. We thank you, Jesus. If you're past, if you've never led anybody to the Lord and you think, well, I don't know, I don't know if it's going to work this time, just draw a line this morning and say, right, I'm not going to live in the past any longer and let that affect the now of what God wants to do in my life. We're not just praying about the future, we're praying about the now of what God is doing. Because God only lives in the now in our lives. God doesn't live in the future in our lives, He lives in the now. Because we can only live in the now. And so he lives in the now. We know he's outside time, but he only lives in the now of how he does things in us. So we're not praying about being a witness tomorrow. We're praying to be a witness today. Because when we get into tomorrow, tomorrow will become today. So we can only live in that. So, so, so draw a line this morning of all your past experiences, whether it's gone really well or not. Say, so Father, I thank you this is a new day, a new time. I thank you, Father, that when you speak about what you want to do, and I respond to you, you then enable me, you grace me to do what you want to do. So God's never going to not grace you for what he's saying he wants to do. So thank him for the grace. Thank him for the enabling. Now just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I thank you for being imparting your life afresh to me. And I thank you that you release a heart for those that I'm praying for in a greater way. I thank you for the boldness and the courage to step beyond where I have been. But I thank you for the salvation that is at work in me because I'm a believer, but also the salvation through me for those friends and those around me that I'm reaching out to. Anybody believe that this morning? Come on, just pray that over yourself. Pray that, release that this morning. Thank you, Father. I'm a soul winner as I go in your name. Thank you, Jesus. And just keep your eyes shut for a minute. There might be people here this morning and you don't know Jesus. And you've heard what we've been talking about this morning. You can see on the board what God has done for us and that his heart and intention is none of us would be separated from him, that he's created us to know him. And if there's anybody here this morning 
And, and at this moment, you're saying, I want to respond to him. I want to surrender my life to Jesus. If, if, you're, if that's what's going on in your heart now, you're ready to surrender. You might be here and you, you're like, I, I don't know if I'm ready. I've still got questions and I don't know if it's going to work. Well, that's great to have questions. Ask questions. Find out more. But there might be some of you today that you're in that, this place where you know, I want to surrender my life. I've been talking with my friend who I'm with today, a family member. I've heard different things. I've asked questions and today's my day. I want to give my life to Jesus. Now, if, if that's you... We're not, we obviously can't take an hour to pray now in the meeting. But you can just make at least an initial response where you say to the Lord, you know, I'm here and I want to give my life to you today. I want to surrender everything for, to you today. You can just make that initial response in your heart and say something to him right now. You're saying, God, I'm here today and I want to give my life to you. I, I, need, I, I can see I need to be forgiven I want a clean start, fresh start. But more than that, I want to know you. Because that's what it, it that, when we're sharing our faith, guys, it's about knowing God. It's not just about being forgiven. It's, it's all about having a relationship with God. In order to come into that, we need to be forgiven. So that's why sin is not the focus. Uh, it's, it, being forgiven is the doorway into relationship with, with God. So, Father, I just pray right now, anybody here today, that, that their heart is beating hard and they're like, I, I want it, this is my moment. I want to... I just pray for them right now as they respond to you, that you continue to work in their heart and life at this moment. I thank you, Jesus. Now, if that is you today and you want to give your life to Jesus, please come up to the front afterwards and I'd love to have a conversation with you, talk with you, okay, about what's happening in you at this moment. And there'll be one or two other guys from the leadership who'll be at the front here and, and you can come and talk to any one of us, okay, in the next, uh, as we close in a minute. And then we'll arrange a time for somebody to, to spend with you to help really take you right through to give your life to you in the way that we've talked about this morning. Because I don't want you to have a false start. You know, at the beginning of a race, when somebody goes too early, the gun has to fire again and everybody has to come back. Don't want you to have a false start. We have to come back and you're always trying to come back to get things sorted. No, we want you to have the best start possible in your relationship with Jesus. So... So, uh, so come up and have a chat and we, then we can connect you in with somebody who will introduce you today and, and then you can meet with them and, and they can help you really come right through to a relationship with, with Jesus. Father, we thank you. Let's just raise our hands, shall we? Father, we thank you for who you are, what you're doing. Thank you for equipping us, mobilising us to be fruitful. We just speak over our lives that this is a year of harvest. This is a year of breakthrough. This is a year of breakout this year. Salvation, healing, deliverance, breaking out in our lives personally, together, corporately. Father, we thank you. We praise your mighty name. Come on, let's just thank him this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, these last two Sundays, really, really important. What Pastor Connor said last week, neither of these messages, last week, a message is to go, wow, that was a great word, and then it just stays there. Last week was about God showing us, through Pastor Colin, how we can then impart life to others. So in our home this week, we've been doing that. And one or two other people we've ended up praying for in different ways. Uh, it, it's been like, right, do you believe that God's going to impart your healing now when we pray? Yeah. You know, some people were at the meetings, some haven't been. Uh, different people we've been praying with or going to see or sort out or whatever. But, it, but it's been much more, right, when, we, when we, we're not just going to pray for you, God's going to impart his life or healing or whatever to you. Do you believe you're going to receive? Yeah. Might have encouraged their faith a bit, but then as we've just laid hands on, then stuff's began to happen because there's been an impact. So we want to do that in our homes, in our families and, and all of that. We've been doing a bit of that with dodgy backs and other things going on. And just, you know, thank you, Father, your impartation of freedom, unlocking stuff and all of that that takes place. But then this one's a real practical. It's, okay, Father, I'm praying for these people. Thank you for opportunities. They're going to opportunities. They're going to either just even say, hey, can, I, can we just have a look at some stuff and talk about it? Or even this week, somebody giving their life to the Lord. I mean, through our, our witness. So they're both really practical. But that's what God wants it to be. He doesn't just want us to go away with a great message that blessed us. And then it stays in there and doesn't go anywhere else. You know, he wants it to go in and then through our lives. Amen. 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 God is amazing. Amen. One last thing, freedom is starting next week. The new freedom small groups that begin through, not this week coming, but the following week. 
Um, and there are literally a couple of spots left on Thursday night if you're, if you're uh, a men's group, Thursday night, have a couple of spaces left. And Thursday afternoon, if you're a lady, there's a couple of spaces left. It looks like at the next, including guys coming down from London and whatnot, we're going to have about 115 plus, you know, at the next encounter. So there's another 100 or so in the church that are going to be going through freedom. And then if you haven't had the opportunity this time, then next time, all the new people that are going to be saved over the next two or three months, they're going to be going through freedom in the autumn, right? So... It's a year of harvest. It's a year of harvest, guys. We're not waiting. Let's not wait. Okay, let's go. Let's go. In the going, you're going to see the power released. In the going, you're going to see life released. Amen. Just turn to somebody, give them a great high five, and then have a great thing out in the back there. We'll see you Wednesday night, 7.30. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com.